Uh, I'm going to invite you guys to find your way to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 11 through 17 uh, this evening. And uh, as you guys are finding your way there, just a, a little bit of review for how we've been uh, covering and, and, and brought our way up to this point. Where are we at in Luke? So over the past month or so, uh, we've been looking at Jesus has been teaching, and then Jesus has done some incredible things. And uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at uh, Jesus explaining the path of what it looks like to be a true disciple. And then last week, we talked about a centurion, a Roman soldier, someone who wasn't a Jew and, and really uh, was kind of outside of uh, the group, outside of the, the family of faith uh, at that time. And Jesus was amazed by this man's faith. And so that brings us to what we see this week, which is uh, kind of a, a culmination of all of that, because uh, this week points to a couple of really important things that we're going to see in uh, what seems like maybe a, a simple uh, story. So we're going to see in our uh, passage this week, we're going to see Jesus's compassion. Uh, Jesus's compassion shows us that we have a God who cares about us. And then we're also going to see Jesus's uh, just a, an incredible exhibition of power as he is uh, the, uh, the the source of all power. He is the one who created the world. And we see that really clearly as he uh, shows his power and gives us uh, not only hope because he loves us, but but hope because he has power uh, to do something about it. So in our passage this week, we're going to see Jesus described as a great prophet. In verse 16, he's, he's described as a great prophet who has power even over life and death. So as we look at our passage this week, I'm going to invite you to, to kind of have that lens, to, to think about the fact that we have a God who both loves us enough to feel compassion and feel pain uh, for this woman that, that he sees uh, experiencing a great deal of pain and loss and also has the power to do something about it. So let's look at our story this week. We're going to read verses 11 through 17 uh, from Luke chapter 7. I invite you to read along as I read. It starts, it says, Soon afterwards he went to a city called Nain. His disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. He came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. He said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. Jesus gave him back to his mother. And fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out uh, all over Judea and in the surrounding district. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that, uh, God, that we can gather together even in the cold and, and enjoy uh, the opportunity to, to gather together with our church family. God, to, to be a part of this community that you have given us to and, and given to us. So God, as we gather together, God, as we open up your word and, and look at this incredible story, God, we pray that you would speak to us. God, we pray that you would do your work in our lives. And God, my prayer this evening is that we would be encouraged, that we would be encouraged to know that we have a Savior who is both compassionate and powerful. God, help us to, uh, God, to, to hear from you tonight. God, give us ears to hear, for we're listening. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so as we look at this, that we, we see a couple of different things. So the first thing that we see in our passage this week is Jesus encountering death. As Jesus, it, it describes him coming into the city with his disciples. And as he's coming into the city, he's, he's approached by this funeral procession as people are leaving town with uh, this dead body and uh, the crowd of people that are going along for the funeral. And, and he encounters this widow. This widow, she's described as someone who is obviously widowed. She, she doesn't have a husband anymore. And she's also described as not having any other children, that this is her only son. And this pitiful figure of a woman, without the company of a husband, without the company of other family, uh, communicated an instant need to Jesus as he uh, approached her and as he saw, saw this funeral procession. Uh, he encounters the depth of this tragedy. He realizes what's going on here. And so uh, as Jesus sees this tear-drenched woman as uh, the widow is coming in front of him, he realizes the pain that this woman must be experiencing. See, the, the, the crowd kind of created a, an ironic contrast as she is being gathered and, and or brought along with a, a large crowd. It describes a large crowd going along for the funeral. See, it's ironic because there's this large crowd that's with her in this moment, but when she wakes up the next morning, she's all alone. Her, the rest of her life, she's, she's imagining that from here on out, she's all alone. Jesus is overwhelmed by her grief, and, and he realizes this and sees this. And as the funeral is already approaching, it says the gate of the town in our passage. What that means is they are taking the body out of town to the tomb at this point. And since it would have been uh, unclean, ceremonially unclean for them to uh, leave the dead body or, or touch the dead body or, or do things, they, they couldn't leave it around for a few days to, to wait and, and plan and, and have everything together before they did the funeral. Uh, it's likely that uh, this young man passed away that day, that the, the grief, that the, the wounds that this uh, widow is experiencing are freshly ripped open. And so as Jesus comes upon this funeral, uh, he, he experiences uh, interacting with this woman as she is just raw with grief in a way that few of us can experience or, or truly empathize with. But we also, we, we see this woman's grief, but we also see Jesus' empathy here. See, as, as Jesus comes upon this funeral, it says here in these verses that he is overwhelmed by pity, by compassion. He sees this woman's plight and he is moved with compassion that he would do something about this. I think it's important for us to note that this isn't the only time that we see Jesus having a heart for people. I think that's encouraging for us that, that Jesus cares about people. See, we also saw this a similar occasion when Jesus observed the grief of Mary and Martha as uh, their brother Lazarus has died in John chapter 11. I, I want to read for you guys those couple of verses. You can turn over real quickly if you want to. John chapter 11 verses 32 and 33. It says, therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. See, she thought she knew that Jesus had the power to heal, but she didn't put together the fact that he also had power over death. It says in verse 33 that when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. That word that, that, that the Greek, the original language uses here that's translated as was deeply moved comes from an ancient word that, that describes a, a horse's snort. 
<sighs> seems strange, right? Well, what it does is it, it, it indicates that the Lord let out an involuntary gasp, that it, that it, was, a, it was a gut shot. It was a punch to, to the core of who he was that the breath went out of him. Talking about uh, this E.V. Ryu, uh, the, the commentator commented that he gave way, Jesus gave way to such distress of spirit that it made his body tremble. It shook Jesus to the core, seeing these people that he loved, Mary and Martha, just grieved by the death of their brother. It, see, it, it caused a reaction in Jesus. It, it caused a shake to his core. Jesus felt for these two sisters so much that he, he had a physical reaction to it. He was overwhelmed by emotions to the point where that shake even gave way to tears and uh, leads to what some may recognize as uh, the shortest verse in the Bible, which was John eleven thirty five, that says, Jesus wept. Jesus loved these women so much that, that he was moved to tears by their pain. If we come back to our story in Luke 7, we, we know that, that that Jesus, that compassionate Jesus that was moved by the plight of Mary and Martha is experiencing much the same thing as uh, we see him uh, interacting with this poor widow. See, not only did Jesus' heart go out to the poor widow, but also his soothing words. He says in verse 13, he says, don't cry. Now, if that was me going to a funeral, or if that was you going to a funeral and we told someone, why are you crying? Don't cry. That sounds callous, doesn't it? That sounds harsh for us to come up to someone without really any ability to do anything about their pain and to tell them just not to cry. That would be cruel and insensitive for us. But, but this don't cry from Jesus is different than, than me going up to someone in this same situation and telling them, don't cry. See, this don't cry that Jesus said is really a comfort because Jesus knows what's about to happen. Jesus knows uh, what's about to, to take place. Because uh, death is a situation that, that an ordinary human like me or you, we don't really have any control over. But Jesus is not any ordinary human. While death seems so final to us, death is no obstacle for our Savior. And what happens next shows that Jesus' don't cry was not an insensitive remark at all. But it was a signal, uh, a precursor of what was about to come. See, the first thing that we saw was Jesus encounter death as it comes out to town and meets him. But, but now in the second part of our story, we get to see death encounter Jesus. Let's look at verses 14 through 17 again. So those are fresh in our mind as we look at the second half of the story. Verse 14, it says, He came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. He said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Jesus gave him back to his mother, and fear gripped them all. They began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in all the surrounding district. See, we see here in these verses, Jesus, he stops the procession outside the city, and he touches the burial plank. That's significant because we see Jesus expressing concern in this moment. Concern even beyond what the laws would have told him to do because touching that burial plank, touching that coffin meant that he was ceremonially unclean. Normal passersby wouldn't have reached over and, and touched the coffin. But Jesus touches the coffin. But it also shows that he expresses a compassionate concern. Sometimes it's, it's not in having profound words when someone that you love is grieving. It's not in having the right thing to say. It's, it's, sometimes it's just simply being there, right? 
Sometimes it's just simply showing up and, and, and a smile or a hug. Someone knowing that you truly care that they're hurting. And what Jesus does when he reaches out and touches that, that coffin is he shows his concern. But the silence in that moment is broken by Jesus' simple command. He says, young man, I say to you, get up. And in that moment, the dead man, or I guess formerly dead man at this point, he sits up. In this moment, as we're reading this, it's important for us to note what, what may have come to mind. We don't know, but it may have come to mind for these people that are experiencing this because there's an important parallel in this story to the Old Testament. See, in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see Elijah raise the son of a widow in much the same way. There's a close similarity between these two accounts, and, and it, it points to the fact that, at the very least, it was in Luke's mind. As, the, as he gets to the point where he's compiling these stories and, and putting his gospel together, he is quite aware of the story from 1 Kings 17. Let's read that story real quick so that it's uh, in our minds as we, as we continue through. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24. It says, now it came about that after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. He said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray to you, let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. See, we see much a a similar story from Elijah as we see from Jesus. There are a few differences, though. There's one specifically that stood out to me as I was reading these two stories. We see Elijah as he is calling out to God to, to bring life back to this young man. We see Elijah stretch out over the corpse three different times. In verse 21, it says that. See, Elijah had to do something. Elijah had to cry out, but at the same time, we see in Jesus as he interacts with the young boy, no actions are necessary. No other steps are required. See, there were other times, there are other miracles where we can read through the Gospels and we see Jesus tell someone to go and to do something else. He, you, know, you remember the story where he spit in the mud and put mud on the blind man's eyes and, and told him to go wash it off, and when he washed the mud off, he could see. But in this moment, there is no other step. There is nothing other than Jesus' simple word. With resurrections, we see it time and time and time again. When Jesus brings life back to a person, there are no other steps. Simply uttering a word is all it requires from Jesus. All it takes for Jesus to, to bring life back to a dead body is to say, arise. 
Clearly, he wanted everyone to see that resurrection power rests simply in him, simply in his word. Jesus had the power that no one else would possess. With his work done, Jesus hands the boy back over to his mother in language that matches very closely with the story from 1 Kings 17. But what we see here in this is is something that's really important for us, especially this week. Especially this week, because uh, I think it's always interesting when God does something and, and God gives us a gift at just the right time that we need it. I love seeing that when, when we lay all of this out. Because you guys, I think you realize it, you may not realize it, but we just go week after week through a book of the Bible. And week by week, we, we just we pick up where we left off the last week. And most of the time, we break that out months We've actually got the rest of the year planned out with we're going we're gonna to teach this passage on this day and we're going to teach this passage on this day. That's taken care of long in advance. So when something like this comes up that, that I'm going to talk about in just a second, it's really cool that, that God blesses us with this because we see here in these verses, Jesus is not merely Lord over the living. He's also Lord over the dead. He gives us hope. What we see here is we have a Savior who has two incredible things that I think we should note. As we celebrate how awesome Jesus is that we're sitting here tonight saying, I am a Christian. I worship Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus Christ and him alone. That's, that's why we get together, right? That's why we come together is because Jesus has done incredible work in our lives. And we see two really cool things from Jesus here. See, the first thing that we see is his awesome compassion. See, it it shows us in these verses that Jesus loved people, that Jesus was willing to go out of his way just to show kindness to this woman. He saw the pain, the grief of this widow, and he decided to do something about it. See, we have a, a compassionate God. If Jesus was powerful enough to, to raise someone from the dead, but not compassionate, if we didn't see this compassion in Jesus, it wouldn't make any difference for us, right? There's a lot of people that have had power to do things in history, but, but chose not to. If we had a Savior who had the ability to overcome death, to overcome all of these things, but, but he didn't care about me, he didn't care about you enough to do something about it, well, well that doesn't really help us that much, does it? What we see here is that we have a Savior who cares for us, and he performed this miracle for this widow's son because of his compassion for her. So we see that, that Jesus, we serve a Savior. We have a, a God who has incredible compassion, but we also see that we follow a God with awesome power. See, if Jesus was compassionate but not powerful, well, that doesn't really help us now either, does it? If he was compassionate but not powerful, that may make him a great guy, but it doesn't really mean that he can make much of a difference, now can he? Not only does he have awesome compassion, he has awesome power to minister to our deepest needs. All he has to do in this moment is say, son, get up. And he sits up and he starts talking. Hey, mom, why is everybody crying? I don't know if he had awareness of, of what was happening in that moment or not, but it would have been interesting for him to sit up and not know what was going on, right? Jesus in that moment, he has the compassion and the power 
that he chooses to do something about it. Now, what in the world does that have to do with us, right? This incredible story, this, this great story of Jesus who has seen the need and chosen to do something about the need. What this does, this story does, this miracle does, is it testifies to the central aspect of our hope. The reason that we are all gathered here, the reason that we can gather and and have hope for the future is that God promises to restore life to those who know his touch. When this widow's son was raised from the dead, there was a universal rush of adrenaline. It must have been an incredible sight for people gathered around They weren't coming looking for a miracle. They didn't even seek Jesus out and ask him to heal the boy. They just happened to walk past, you know, God on their way out of the town, taking this boy to bury him. There's this incredible rush of adrenaline as Jesus heals this dead young man. His mother probably still had tears in her eyes. But in that moment, as she's wiping the tears away from her eyes, she is experiencing the overwhelming joy that comes from experiencing the love and the work of Jesus that many of us have experienced in a different way, but in a similar way. See, we see this story, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that this story is a picture of our future as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we, we went through First and Second Thessalonians a, a year or two ago, uh, just as I was coming out here to California. I love these verses. Listen to these verses. These are the reason why we can have hope, the reason why this whole story is so important for us tonight. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. See, the result of Jesus interacting with this widow's son is that that death was no obstacle for him. That, that Jesus was able to overcome death, to, to set aside this woman's pain for a moment because Jesus has both the power and the compassion to do so. And while that sounds like an incredible story, guys, it's our story. And I don't know, I, I don't know what this week has been like for you. It's been quite a week for a lot of people in our country though, right? There's been a lot of emotions Highs for people and lows for people, hope for the future and disappointment and fear for the future. But you know what we can do here tonight? We can, like Paul said in First Thessalonians, we can comfort one another with these words. We can comfort one another with, with these words that talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back one day. That Jesus is the one that we saw overcome death in this moment with this widow's son. Guys, he's, he's the reason why we have hope for overcoming death, for overcoming whatever is going to happen in life because the Bible tells us very clearly that this world is not our home, that this reality that we live in is not where we're going to be forever. It tells us that, that we don't have hope in whoever lives in the White House. It tells us that we don't have hope in whoever is leading us. 
we have hope in the king of the universe who is leading us. I don't know who needs to hear it tonight, but I want you guys to hear it. Jesus is enough. No matter how overwhelming life may seem, Jesus is enough for you. We have a Savior who is compassionate. He, he knows your pain, and he cares about it. He cares for you. He loves you in the same way that he loved and was kind to this widow. He loves you. He cares about what it is that's going on in your life. And you know what else we see here? Guys, he's strong enough to do something about it. Doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we, we talked about it last week. Jesus isn't just your genie that, that, that grants your wishes, but whatever God knows is the right thing for you, whatever it is that's going to be best for you, God's enough. We have a God who's compassionate enough to do the right thing and powerful enough to actually do it. We can have hope for the future, not because of anything in this life but because of the life to come. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason to be stressed. I've seen so many people stressed about what's going to happen. What's going to happen in our country? What's going to happen in our world? What's, what, what's going to happen when this pandemic just continues to to climb and climb and climb. The numbers are going in the wrong direction. What are we going to do? You know what? What's the worst that's going to happen? It can kill me? You guys, you saw it tonight, right? Even death is no obstacle for our God. Raising this man from the dead is just a, it's just a snippet. We just got the 30-second commercial version in this story of the incredible movie that is to come. The incredible story of a God who sees the brokenness of this world, who knows the pain that you're experiencing and is able to one day say, enough. You guys know there's going to come a day, right? Where Jesus just says, enough. And he sets all things right again. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know what is going to happen leading up to that. But I know that one day Jesus says, enough. And the king of the universe that has power over death that we see here tonight, he sets all things right. That's where our hope lies. That's why everything is going to be okay. Cut your news off and read your Bible. Because we have hope. We have hope because Jesus is greater than death. And he's loving enough and kind enough to care for us. I'm going to invite you guys in just a few minutes. Our prayer team is going to be over here on my left, on your right. As we finish up, if you need to pray with someone, they would love to pray with you. Uh, if you need to talk to someone, they would love to talk with you. If you uh, want to come find me, I'll be out here somewhere running around enjoying the cold weather. I think this is my one day of the year that I get to enjoy the cold, right? After this, it gets warm again. All right. Come find somebody. Don't leave tonight without talking to somebody if you need to talk to somebody. Let's pray together.
God, you are so incredible. God, we thank you for the ministry of Jesus as he came and, and, and God put on flesh and came and lived among us. He lived among us and he saw the pain and he saw the hurt and he saw the disease and he saw the death and he saw all of it. God, we thank you that we serve you and that we follow a God who is both compassionate enough to see our pain and care about it and powerful enough to do something about it. God, we pray that as we leave here tonight, God, that that we would remember that there is nothing to fear for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, that that there is no enemy that can stand against us, that there is no uh, plight in our society or in our world. There is no reality that this life can throw at us that is too big for you. God, we pray that you would do your work in our hearts. God, allow this evening to be an encouragement to us. God, to, to fill our spirits with the hope that we serve a God that loves us and knows us and cares for us. God, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you do for us. God, we thank you for Jesus, for his work that he did in both pushing back the darkness in his ministry on the earth and in pushing back death. God, in proving that death was no enemy for us as we stand here following you tonight. God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.